See, I'm from the city, they call the banger where we hang them. Huh, man? Where that is? North Florida, 904. Okay. Gun shake, gun state. Florida water, come on. Duval, Bangum, Westside, Jville, Duval, Hustle How, Frank Coley, he real. Duval, Bangum, Billy, Rankin, throw your D's in the air if you're from the Bangum. Duval, 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 if you're from a city, holler Duval. I hope that was good enough. Um, and I hope you like that intro song because I've been sitting on that thing for years. Since 2017 to be exact. Uh, the Jaguars are in the playoff. We play at Kansas City this weekend. I was planning on going. I lied to everyone on Twitter. I am no longer going. However, um, the Jags are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. And we are going to cash NASCAR bets this season. So without further ado... Um, our first repeat guest, and there's no other guest that I would have on twice other than this guy, because this guy took NASCAR and I have not told him this yet, but this guy took NASCAR betting for me. That was strictly only fun. Like, no, like I didn't, I didn't do it for any other reason except for fun to, okay. You need to think about your explanations. Think about why you bet this thing. You, you have the, the, bandwidth and the capacity to be good at this so why don't you start taking it a little bit serious none other than my boy big perm round of applause what up glad to be yes. here glad to be a repeat guest yeah first one i wanted to, i wanted to get that out because uh you really are the person that really changed my perspective on you know attacking these these bets and and really taking this seriously obviously i still have fun if you're not having fun betting on especially nascar but betting on sports you shouldn't be betting on sports, but um, how's it going, man? I know you, you've kind of been off the radar a little bit. You got married. Um, what have you been up to? What have you been doing? Have you been scouting out? I, I know you've done the, uh, the race recaps, but other than that, I guess, tell us a little bit about that. What else you've been doing? Well, you know, as a married man, I just get every decision I make questioned, you know, so that's fun. Um, you know, I decided to just stop thinking for myself and say I do. And, but other than that, I mean, by the way, a race recap every day, watching a race a day, that's a lot of time. I didn't yeah. realize what I was signing up for. I mean, even when you watch it on like 1.5 or 1.75 speed, it's still a lot and taking notes. And then, you know, those, the, the recaps themselves take a, you know, it's not one take. I, I have to usually do two or three because I have a serious um problem that I need to get rid of. So I'll, if I start umming a lot on this podcast, I will drop down and do 15 pushups just so that way I don't do it anymore. I learn to pause instead of say, saying, um, that's my yeah, goal. My, my, um, is obviously, and I, when I listen back to these podcasts, I am like, you have got to be kidding me. I just said, obviously five times in 30 seconds. And I, that has got to get figured out. So I got, I, I feel your pain, Rory. What's cracking, dog? Oh, nothing much. Just, uh, just excited. We got got big perm on this week. Damn, supposed to have him last week, and then wasn't gonna make it back early enough, and we're just like, all right, we'll do it again next week. We we don't mind. We we love having him on and and hearing his insight and 
we saved three three out of the last six drivers for for him for three of them on one show and that's why I threw Larson in there because I figured he'd want to talk about him. We we saved Bell though. Sorry, I know I know you would have really fine. loved that if you could have got gotten Bell and Larson in it. So I wanted to hear what you had to have to say about Larson tonight at some point. Just I want to see you know where you are and what I think. Well, I'll say this: I instead of praising Bell, I'd rather just piss off every Chase Elliott fan. So I'll take that. Love it, love it. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I am very excited uh, to talk Kyle Larson with Chris. Uh, we'll see if Rory lets either one of us talk about Kyle Larson tonight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna later in the show. We're gonna talk about Kyle Larson, uh, Chase Elliott, and Denny Hamlin. We got some big hitters uh, with some pretty steep over under win totals um, that I I'm very curious on on hearing y'all's opinion on it. But uh, without further ado, let's talk some gambling. So. The only thing that we can really bet right now, actually the only thing we can bet right now, is futures bets and Daytona 500 bets. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and Chris, we've talked briefly about a bet here or there. Uh, but when you're you're at this point in the year, we've got about a month left until the 500. And, you know, clash odds haven't come out yet. But what are you looking to bet? What do you When you're scrolling the board, what are you looking for? Are you looking at stats first? Are you looking at odds board first? Talk me through your futures bet thought process. I don't use like, I don't know, statistics that much. I think you have to kind of use your eyeballs. I know that I say that often whenever I'm on different podcasts that the, they don't, you still have to watch the race and, and see how guys, whether they're getting lucky to get these finishes or they're, you know, or they're actually that good. And so I think it's more, I hate the term kind of value. And I know Todd tweeted that out today, like yeah. or yesterday that values though. Yeah. But when I'm, if I'm making future bets, I'm usually looking for a heavier payout. I don't like locking up cash for a super long period of time, uh, especially on, you know, win totals or something like that. If I think a guy maybe has an opportunity to win more races than books think I'd rather take him to win the championship and get the bigger payout, uh, because I know that I can also hedge out of that throughout the season as well. So if you can get, you know, I do have a future that I will talk about, uh, you know, when we get to that point, but you know, I want a big payout and that's kind of what I'm looking at when it comes to futures uh, or, or I find a few mistakes that I bet. I know I shared with Rory. I don't think I shared them with you Skybox, but I won't say where I got, I made these bets, but um, I can maybe share what I bet um, at some point. Mark yeah, is I, probably Mark is probably saying, "Good God, you sound just like him last week." Like yeah, <laughs> when we were going yeah, over yeah. his big bets on him, and I was just like, "Good God!" I was like, "For to make it worth long, you know, over a season worthwhile, I would have to lay at least a fucking dime down just for you know enjoyment." I mean, you're talking about like you were saying, I can take the guy at ten to one probably somewhere in that area lay a hundred dollars on it and okay i'm cool with that like i had logano last year at 1600 like i liked him at the beginning of the year i put that on him did i take his over win total no but it would have it would have went over because i would have taken probably the over on him but I, it just isn't worth the risk to me versus how much stuff changes throughout the season 
and the patterns that a lot of times they they might not run good at the beginning but then pick up later on i would rather see them out there and and know when i'm taking them i can hit them then at plus money odds to win a damn race not taking over on a season win total yeah one thing that i noticed myself doing last year and i did i didn't have the opportunity to bet over under win totals um but i did obviously have here we go again. I was just about to say. <laughs> I'm not doing 15 push-ups, though. Okay. Uh, uh, but I found myself, you know, we get the free bets here and there, and especially if you lose on other sports like I do, uh, you get some free bets. So I found myself looking at basically what Rory just said. You look at these guys and you look at their – what have they done for me recently this year? Um, you know, what track style are they doing well at, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then I would throw these free bets on these championship outrights. And so I'm sitting with like in the round of eight with like six of the eight guys and they were all in free bets. Now I know full tank Phil is big free bet futures guy. And I kind of took that from him. So how is your Chris, how is your um, mid season free bet slash championship? I guess you can call it a live bet. Uh, but mid-season championship bets, are you into that at all, or is that is that off the table? Oh, I'm always looking at, at future odds. And a lot of it has to do with some of the bets that I made before the season starts. So I guess I'll just sure. come on and say I, I'm pretty, pretty big on Kyle Busch at 18-1 to 1 to win the championship. And so that's kind of the base. Okay, I'm starting with him. I think that he provided the best value. I Here's the thing. We'll know early on if he's going to be good. You know, I could have just trashed a bunch of money. But I think if he's refocused and he has the same car that Tyler Reddick had at road courses, well, I think he's going to win more races on road courses than Tyler Reddick because I know that everyone seems to think that Tyler Reddick is this amazing road course racer. It could have been the car in the setup because there wasn't one Toyota that was worth a damn last year on road courses. And this isn't a news flash. Uh, Kyle Busch is a better road course racer than Tyler Reddick if they're in equal equipment. So if that... If that transfers over, I think you could see Kyle or uh, Kyle Busch win multiple road course races. So that's where I'll start. And then I'll be looking to hedge throughout the season. Hopefully he can get an early win. It'd be great if he won at the Daytona 500 because obviously his odds will plummet. And, and that's the goal is to just beat the market so you can add guys for protection. Mm -hmm. That'd be an interesting argument. Um, you know, do we think uh, Tyler Reddick and Kyle Busch are a perfect example? They're essentially switching cars. Um, you know, Tyler Reddick going to 2311, but Kyle Bush and even Denny Hamlin, we saw K K Christopher Bell went on a road course. These guys are no slouches on these road courses. And the Toyotas last year were so bad on road courses. I mean, horrendously bad on road courses. And then you got guys like Tyler Reddick who are popping out of nowhere, who have never run well on a road course and, and winning races and battling with Chase Elliott at road America. So um, that'd be an interesting argument. Do we think it's more car or do we think it's more driver this upcoming year? If, 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 well, okay. Outside of Chris Bell. So Chris Bell won based on strategy, right? And, and it was the easiest call for Adam Stevens on earth. Everyone was praising him for taking tires. It's like, well, you're running 10th and you need to win. Okay. You have to take tires. Uh, if, if maybe guys had just run consistently better than Kyle Busch or one specific driver, one specific Toyota, I would have said maybe it's the driver, but it was across the board. Even Truex, 
And, you know, he's obviously an incredible road course racer. So I, I, I could be wrong, but uh, I definitely put my money where my mouth is. This will be the biggest bet I've ever won if Kyle Busch wins that I've ever won in NASCAR. Let's so, go. Um, and so, but that, like what Rory said, you have to bet so much to care. Well, mm-hmm. I care if Kyle Busch wins. And because of that, I will, every time that uh, future, you know, championship prices come out the Monday after a race, I will be trying to pick off, uh, in my opinion, the best number to start to hedge that because ideally I'd like to end up with the final eight. And then it's just mm-hmm. a matter of maximizing profits from there when it comes down to those last uh, four races. Mm-hmm. Rory, what do you think? Car driver. I definitely think Kyle Busch is better than than Tyler Reddick. <clears throat> I mean, I think Reddick's got a lot of talent, but he doesn't have the experience as far as taking care of the car, taking care of your tires. I mean, I feel like after the – look how many sponsors he's picked up since he went over there to Childress. I mean, they kept the four that they had, but he's also brought in another four, I think, or something. Twitter it, is blowing it, up. So, I mean, you like I called it earlier in the year, it's bullshit excuse from Gibbs of what they were saying that they can't find a sponsor. It's like, nah, y'all, y'all haven't had any interest in him, whatever the hell happened, fallout on the contract talks, and y'all are pissed off because you don't, you don't have that M&M's money helping pay a majority of his contract anymore. So, it... I don't think they were putting him out there very good shit. I think they were not at Martin's using him. It was almost like him and Truex half the time ended up like as test dummies for Bell and Hamlin. I mean, every once in a while they would have really, really good ass speed. And mile then, and a half particular in particular. Yes, they were fast. Every, yes. But they also were probably in super aggressive setups because Kyle Bush would always end up spinning Fine. out or blowing a tire. Yes, I agree. Agree with that right there. Mm-hmm. It was it was putting their cars out on the ragged edge, up to the just fullest limit, and and there's no way Kyle Busch just and you know spun. I mean, Larson spun a whole lot too, but those guys those guys do like a loose ass race car. The problem problem that you have is with this tire combo. It's not like the old tire with the inner liner, the sidewall. It would give more. It would, it would, you could really lay the car out and still hold grip. Well, now you can't with these thin ass, thin ass wall tires anymore with no inner liner in them. They're, they're just coming apart. And that's why those are the guys that probably blew the most damn tires this year, really. I mean, if you go back and count up how many tires were blown i guarantee you it was by by those dirt racers but is it is that on the crew chief and the team or is that on the driver because i don't think that the driver might ask for an air pressure change and i'm sure that a guy like kyle bush would however you know he he doesn't know exactly the the air pressures that they're putting in that tire and the problem is a lot of the damage was done early in the run so all of a sudden this these blown tires would come out of nowhere you'd see it you know uh you know, 25 laps into a run, but the damage was done early on those super low air pressures. So I don't know if it's entirely on the drivers or just the teams in general. So yeah, they asked, definitely we, pushed the, pushed we the asked, limit. we asked NASCAR prophecy a few, uh, probably a month ago on this podcast. If you know, 
Goodyear got so much grief last year, and we all, and me included, thought, wow, what a shitty tire they brought. And then there, you go on Twitter, and it's like, oh, well, these crew chiefs are setting up these tires with too low of air pressers to start the run. So I asked Dave, who worked on NASCAR trucks and all sorts of shit, wheel and modifieds, and his answer was just Goodyear's tire sucks ass. That was his answer, roughly. Now, it's my opinion. I I don't know. I know nothing technical. I, I literally know nothing. Uh, I still think the tire pressures have to play into it because you see these guys like Alex Bowman at Richmond a couple years ago. Drop. They came out and said it on the radio the next week. They dropped the air pressures, and you go fast for eight or ten laps, and then you just fall off like a cliff. So, um, I don't have a good enough. Well, brain it's kind of like but it's kind of like playing. It's kind of like playing roulette. Am I going to get lucky on every set of tires that we get today that we don't have that one bad one? I mean, it. You know, if that's the case, if if that's what you call making bad tires is not completely a hundred percent, you know, full on proof. And I mean, every, everybody knows like it, it, it's always something that might mess up that certain percentage where you can't be a hundred percent perfect. But I feel like, I feel like Goodyear doesn't want to get embarrassed after that. And they got really, really, really like, just away from being even bringing the right compound for actual grip or whatever that was needed. They went more conservative. My issue on the whole tire thing is I don't like when there's no tire fall off yet. There's still failures that I have a problem with. I understand if I understand if there's fall off and maybe guys are burning up that right rear, I have an issue when, you know, you're at Texas or at Gateway, you know, or at Gateway Worldwide Technology. When you're when they were there, they were blowing uh, left rear tires and tires didn't mean anything. So that's where I have an issue or I find it very difficult to to handicap races. Uh, but in certain situations, I, I know that it's on it's on the team and the driver. And, and yeah, I guess also that I learned that from Dave as he was talking about how drivers, you know, like Reddick do like to drive it off that right rear. So he's probably going to, you know, have some more failures on that right rear than, you know, someone who might not drive it as hard off that right rear. So when we get to a place like Texas or Worldwide Technology Raceway, is that obviously that's going to be in your head. Here I go again. It's going to be in your head of about last year and all the tire failures. But is there anything that that you're going to change going into that week or because I know you're a guy that doesn't bet every race and that's, I feel like that's pretty unusual in this space. So what are your thoughts when we get to Texas or, or worldwide? So I will, obviously it's all odds dependent. So I can't say whether I'm going to have a ton, you know, in the, on the race or not, it's all going to be depending on, you know, how the week unfolds, how practice and qualifying goes. However, at tracks where tires matter less strategy matters more, obviously, instead of being super confident, like I was with Logano, I think everybody was at worldwide technology. I think, I don't know one person that didn't have Logano, Mm -hmm. although he won the race, he was not as good as I thought he was going to be. I had way too much money on him that, that I should have. I mean, he, he was with 90 laps to go. I just watched that race today. That's why I know so much about this random race. It's not like I know every race. Like like I watched it today with 90 to go. He was in 12th and he was a non-factor the entire day. However, the last stop when he was running 
13th or whatever, he was one guy that took two tires and restarted in the front row for that final stage. What I will do when tires matter less is I will not go all in on one or two drivers. I'd rather spread my outrights across four or five or six guys to have that protection just in case, especially if they're on different strategies. That's my advice. Make sure when you're live betting, if, if there's a guy that's running 10th that has four fresh tires with 60 to go and you know that they're going to have to pit one more time for fuel, make sure you have that driver with four fresh tires because he's probably going to take a risk and take two or no tires and to try to steal that track position. So if you can have drivers on both, uh, both strategies, then you're at least hedged. I won't be all in like I was on Logano last year, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, they, it, that's what I'm trying to figure out is this year, who, who's going to regress a little bit back and who's going to, Who's going to turn a bad luck season into a good season? I mean, I think I'm trying to figure out really the bigger organizations, are they going to be more dominant this year than they were last year after having one year under them? They took this offseason. You know, they've ran the numbers, like trying to get, get things right. But then you got this different rear end on it so that throws a curveball into everything because the whole setup's different up underneath it and it's going to change i think the way that they handle i mean i could be wrong but i, th- I think well, to we'll your know, point entire test or test in 12 days right or something like that or well they did six days or something didn't they do one yesterday yeah monday and tuesday Dakota, they did Dakota. Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, and uh, who was the other one? It was a Ford driver. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But, Roar, you said something about, like, the, the, is the cream going to rise to the top? And I don't know that answer because – and I, I've we've referenced him a couple times, but he brings in such great insight as NASCAR Prophecy – is saying that you know with these changes to the rear end and, and may or maybe not changes to the tires – you know, he expects more mayhem this year, and I really don't know what to think. So I think, in my opinion, I'm going to treat this year very similar to last year, meaning risk averse. Now, I'm still going to, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is practice and qualifying make more of a difference to me than the eyeball test. And that's just because, you know, with the old car, we had four or five years of data that we could go back and there's minor mm-hmm. tweaks and changes here and there, but um, you know, I'm going to treat this upcoming season as chaotic, as not knowing much week by week basis, et cetera, et cetera. Chris, can you allude to that at all? Can you add to it? Can you disagree with me? Uh, what's your approach going into this year? Well, I'll be, it, it depends on the track at, at Fontana. I think that we'll know who, you know, has the least amount of fall off after watching practice and qualifying. I know you still have to go out there and, and race in traffic, but I think the places where, you know, there's not as much fall off uh, Vegas and Phoenix, you know, maybe not be as uh, quick to, to pound a matchup or pound a guy uh, to, to win the race. Whereas I think if that, that I guess at early in the season, I'll tiptoe. We'll know by then, you know, we'll have at least a decent idea, but if 
if you're seeing the similar kind of driving styles and you're hearing feedback from drivers that the that rear end hasn't really changed how these cars handle, I think that'll be really important. I think driver feedback will be how I base a lot of uh, the bets moving forward. I don't think you'll be able to glean very much from Daytona or the Clash, but definitely Fontana. And more importantly, I think Vegas and Phoenix, as those will translate to, to other tracks uh, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even even at the Coliseum, we'll get to see just a little bit of a taste of something as far as like they sh- you'll be able to tell who's got a shit box there and who doesn't. Like they'll they'll know immediately if you see a lot of cars that aren't rolling through the center there very well, then something I feel like has changed because that's what you need to get that rollover. To, it's like Martinsville. It would you got to be able to roll through the corners at short tracks to have speed. You know that car that always just has that almost – Denny Hamlin does it. He gets that arc almost. Like he'll carry in a little bit more speed but and let it carry in a little – just a little bit deeper, but he gets like that arc going. And I think, I think you'll be able to notice something there. I mean, I'm not going to put a whole lot on that race. I do know who I'm going to take. And it's okay. <laughs> I, I do know who I'm going to I'm, I am going to take one driver at least, and it's Kyle Bush. I'm well, you have to wait him. till the odds come out, Rory. Yeah, what if he I opens know. as the favorite? That sucks. <laughs> I think Logano's going to be the favorite. No, I mean, he won the championship yeah. on a short, flat track. He won the clash last year, won Gateway. I mean, why would Logano not be the favorite, right? Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm missing something. Yeah, I don't remember the odds to open this, the clash last year. Not many sites had odds. I know Bovada did, but other than that, I don't. I don't know if we're going to see a lot of odds for that race. I hope so. M- I mean, that- MGM had them because that's where I bet. Do okay. you think just from a perspective of price. not knowing how to price it, or just not caring about it, or something else? I, I would say. Well, there's heat races, right? So they have to make yeah. sure that they pull the lines properly. You know, sure. and I think whenever there's like a confusion on start times and, you know, it's like a rain delay, you know, let's just say that the whole world knows that there's going to be a rain delay, but the odds still are going to come down at, you know, three, three o'clock Eastern, you know, so sometimes I forget that I have to get the bets out, even though the odds have already come down. So I think that just might be some confusion on timing. I just think that the lack of knowledge and the fact that it's not a point paying race uh, you know, they're, they're so used to the Daytona 500 being the first race where they'll, you know, hang odds. So that would did be they, my guess, but I don't know. The heat, they put the odds heats, out for the, I, go ahead. The, the heats, I think, like you were saying, is what messed the whole damn thing up. Because I can remember getting Bud shoot out. Bush That's what I was going to ask. Did we get yeah, you're right. odds before that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you're you're young to, yeah. I, yeah. So and I, then they I, used to leave them up when they were there was a quality like for your starting spot they they like open up like a Bud Light can or Bud and like that would be their starting spot and I'm just sitting there going like well I'll take the pole sitter like odds yeah. are still up yeah that was the first ever NASCAR race I ever went to it was the 2004 Bud Shootout uh, speaking oh, of yeah. Daytona why don't we shift gears here talk a little bit about the 500 um, I laid a couple wagers when I was up in Tennessee on Caesars. Um, I, I really did a few futures bets, uh, Kyle Bush included, uh, a couple over under win bets that I talked about last week. And then I did some just oblivious 
I don't, that's not the right word. Some ridiculous, uh, you know, future parlays uh, with some Daytona 500 guys in there because apparently you can parlay 500 winners, but you can't parlay championship winners, which I don't quite understand. I feel like it should be the other way around. But um, my question is, how do you, or how do you not? It's probably a simple answer. How do you bet these guys that are that are open entries? Pastrana, Jimmy Jam. Uh, uh, there's two or three more, but Chandler Smith. I mean, do you do you do you even lay even think about laying a wager before we know if they're in the show? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you don't. I think Jimmy's going to get in. I think all those guys will probably get in. You know, it's. I I feel like unless they run out of talent and spin out or hit the wall or something, which I feel like it's pretty hard to do. I guess I, I don't want to speak too soon, but I mean, I feel like Rory could go out there in any car and just yeah, hold it all the way around. I mean, yeah. just, just keep it off the wall and, you know, equipment matters in that qualifying and then, you know, handling kind of becomes secondary and will will help you win the race. I think you can, if you're interested in Johnson or any of those open entry guys, I would say take them now. I don't see Pastrana being, I mean, he was kind of a train wreck in the Xfinity series when he was mm -hmm. running. And so I, I think like that daredevil mentality might be great on a final restart with one to go, but I don't think that that's going to be the case for a, a you know, a 500 mile race, Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. Rory, we think. Yeah, I don't. I don't even guys. know. I mean, the only one I would take is Johnson right now at fifty because I think he has the potential to be in a really fast ass car, and I think fifty is good value if he. I mean, like you said, I could I could throw myself out there in Jimmy's car and win. I mean, shit. <laughs> well, what do you give me a fucking Listen, break? <laughs> If you want to throw your um, tinfoil conspiracy hats on, oh, I love this. There's a yes. couple of things I'd like to uh, to bring up. Let's you remember go. when Austin Dillon was the run, running the three car for the first time back at Daytona? You remember he pulled it, right? Sat on pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danica sat first on time pole. she ran a 500. Sat on the pole. Boy, I those are great ready. stories for NASCAR. I was getting ready to Jimmy say, Jam. Uh, oh. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I think Jimmy's going to be guaranteed right now. in because he's going to be on the front row. I no, mean, I'm betting that. Gordon's, no last, Gordon's last year, Gordon's yeah. final year, he sat on pole. I mean, yep. I don't know. I don't remember what happened Johnson's last year, but I think Gordon was more iconic in NASCAR than that. So if you're going to take someone and you do think that maybe NASCAR does enjoy a story and can skew what that, I don't know whether that's and true a Chevy. or not. A Chevy, what too. What if the story turns out to be they win the Daytona 500 and then all of a sudden decide Jimmy's going to run full time because he about likes that the today. way this car I is. I thought about that today. What if Jimmy Johnson wins the 500? Is there any chance he goes full time? I doubt it, but I, I you're in the maybe. playoffs if you do. I, I, yeah, he's in the playoffs, but he's all. I don't know. Maybe I I don't know what their the money looks like if we're, they can make that happen. Here. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. I just think the the conspiracy side of things, the best story, it you know who's the what would be the best story for who to to pull it? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think it's Johnson. You know that would have so many eyes on on the sport if he's sitting on pole there. I don't know. So. 
you historically have not bet super speedways. So my question to you is, how do you wait these three, four months? <laughs> Let's say you don't bet on the clash. And then we get to the 500. And are, I mean, what do you do? I can't even bet- watch it. Oh, God. I can't. I can't. I have to like, oh, I just because I, I can't help myself. I'll just sure. I'll just be like, oh, man, uh, Harrison Burton. I mean, he's in, that Penske stuff isn't bad. He's one hundred and twenty five <laughs> to one. I might as well throw it. And then the next thing you know, his car's upside down. I'm like, I might kill him. <laughs> like, I'm so bad. at Like, I don't want to bet drivers so I don't kill them at Daytona. Like, so I, I, <laughs> I, I'm going to go golfing or something. And I, I just can't. Uh, otherwise I will find, uh, <laughs> I can't not do it. I'll just, nah, you know, let's just see what they have up. And the <laughs> next thing you know, I got, you know, I got a thousand bucks riding in this race. I'm like, I didn't even want to bet this. So, uh, I, I'm not quite sure. Maybe it, it's a good race for me to go to if that's the case. Right. Cause then it's at least entertaining. And, you know, I've been to it before and if I, I'm probably going to go to quite a few of the West coast races, so I won't go to the, the 500, but it is so hard to, to wait all this time and then to start with a race that, um, you know, I have no interest in. <laughs> will you, will you bet the on. clash if they drop odds? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, Rory, have you made your decision yet? Are you coming down for the 500? I might now. Now you help me make my decision since sawgrass isn't an option because I was more leaning towards sawgrass. I, <laughs> I mean, I've been to Daytona before and whatever as a kid. I've never been to the 500, though. I've always wanted to go. So It's an animal. But also, I can go to the Daytona 500 any damn time. <laughs> I can't, that I can't is... just – I just I, – I can't I can't just show I up at my buddy's that. house down in Jacksonville and go to the freaking TPC, you know, the players every every – so often well to be honest with you you have a better chance i've go to the players every year i go to the 500 every year too but the players is the sawgrass is literally right across the street from my parents house so uh that is you're probably a better chance of having a better experience there anyway uh (laughs) so we'll see you in february in daytona how about that we got airbnb on the beach uh we're gonna be rocking out with our oh shit yeah, I, I so I, I, I've done – I've camped in the infield at Daytona one time, and I've always wanted to do it again. And I, I was talking to our buddy Jake, and my girlfriend's going to tag along too. I'm like, well, why, don't we, why don't we look at renting a camper and getting a spot? I did that this morning. Uh, they sold out yesterday. Every single camping spot oh. sold out yesterday. So we pulled the trigger on a Airbnb on the beach, which is only like 15 or 20 minutes from the track bunch of good restaurants and bars out at the beach so if you're listening to this and you're going to be in daytona uh there's probably a 50 50 chance that rory will be down there but uh me and a couple buddies and my girlfriend will be down there so hit me up um all right moving on a couple weeks ago we had our buddy joe Solosky on the podcast uh betting strategy at nascar and what my goal that episode was to just have a liaison between us as NASCAR gamblers and fans and gambling with somebody that comes from NASCAR and that works with the sports books. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. There was a ton of great information, but my question it was a great you, episode. I, I, I put more time into that episode than I have 
even your two episodes. So combined, probably. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but eh, I doubt uh, it. My, but yeah, <laughs> my question, my question to you is, Chris, is, and this is, you can kind of take this and run with it if you'd like. But what's your favorite type of offering that is currently out there right now? Slash, what's your favorite type of offering to bet? And I guess that's the same question, or it could be, you know, split into two. Uh, so I, the, I bet the most on matchups, you know, that are race matchups, I would say that then, then outrights to win the race. However, you know, I, I like, I think, oh man, I don't want to say it cause I don't want these sports books to change up, but, uh, I we think later in the out. season, later in the season, but yeah, just put a big beep <laughs> yeah, in that. front of it. Yeah. I'd say later in the season. But it, it's, I, I would like to see, I think these sports books, um, they don't have a lot of creativity as to what they're offering. They could offer, you know, driver to lead the most laps. They could offer driver to, to have the most fastest laps. You could have all, all of this stuff and you could do it even in, within stages. You could do that. If you had, if they actually put resources towards someone that, that, you know, did it that actually was a NASCAR fan. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to trash the traders for these companies, but I just do know that, you know, NASCAR probably commands some of the smallest handle in all of sports. They're going to have their most junior guy working on it. And I don't want to see that necessarily change because it allows me to, you know, not have to have a job. And, but my favorite, if I'll tell you what, there's nothing like hitting that first stage winner and like, oh, all right, I'm God. free rolling the rest so of the race. Electric. I mean, oh, so when Larson, uh, when, when I had Larson, uh, at Homestead, and I had as much on that. Well, no, that's not true. I had a lot on that. Uh, that was that was like, okay, this is still going to be a great race. So if 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 you were to say, if if you were to cash a ticket, I would say that stage one winner, you know, is a good one to have banked going into the rest of the race. I'm starting to like that. For, I like that first stage. God, it's, it's like so fun. it's like it's like first touch now. We've been oh hot. yeah. Very oh, them motherfuckers. <laughs> Mark's, Mark's been loving those. Three Dude, out of the first touch. Yeah, Rory's been rolling on the first touchdown bets. But these first, the, the stage bets, stage one bets, especially on road courses uh, and super speedways, I guess, too. But when you get these guys that are point racing, like you were talking about earlier, uh, you know, you can find some serious, quote, Todd Furman value on these guys, if you think that they're point racing, um, every single one of these road courses, these guys short pit. I mean, there, a lot of there times, were probably only a couple stages where everybody pit the whole season. So I'm all about first stage bets. If yeah, you stay out, though. A lot of times though, you avoid the bullshit that you might incur like later on down the road in that race with your guy, you know, especially if it's somebody you like that's qualified pretty damn good and you know this track doesn't usually bring out a caution or something like that and it's going to stay green then you got to figure out are they going to make a green flag pit stop or if it or if it's just going to end and they're going to be up they can't make it not no first stages on just green to go right or can they i don't know what fuck rephrase that question 
Well, he was talking about can you make I it? Think... Can you make it without pitting the stage through the stage? And oh, I think the answer is oh. yes on on, yeah. most of the, on on most of those. But okay. you know, the biggest thing is remember. I, I think earlier in the year, it's really really difficult those road course races because there wasn't one guy that stayed out and won a stage and was able to get a decent finish all damn year. They were back mm-hmm. in traffic. I, you know, I can't think of specifically, I guess, I, Cindric at Road America. He goes out and wins stage one. He had a fast car, probably the third best car behind uh, Elliot and Reddick. But the, the guy made his way barely back up into the top 10, and he had the third best car. It was just so hard to pass. If you look at Logano going out there and doing the same thing at uh, the Roval, I mean, he never even saw like the top 10 again. So it was mm-hmm. so hard to pass. I think in order for you to see guys, predictable guys, early in the season in these road courses, you're going to have to see tire fall off. Otherwise, it's just going to be donkeys that are going to go up there and say like, hey, let's get some stage points because we're certainly not winning this damn race. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to have to get lucky. Yeah. So on the flip side, maybe some bombs, maybe some guys that might be 20, 30 to 1 to win the race that have no chance at winning the race might just try to steal a stage win if they get a chance. So that's my advice. Uh, but definitely in the playoffs, it's more predictable. I love that. That's, that's a, that's a good, good opinion on that. I, I believe Thank road, you. road courses, road courses, road courses, I believe you can take longer shots. If you look ahead and just hope, Hope that all the leaders are going to pit because they have fast cars, don't want to give up track position. And then, like you said, you're going to have your middle-of-the-road people that don't run good on road courses. You're also going to have your people that didn't qualify very well but maybe better in the race as the race goes on. But let's say maybe they think they got a top-10 car, not really a winnable car. They're going to stay out possibly and get – get 10 points it it it's just one of those one of those things that probably isn't going to happen to you on a one and a half tight track versus you know that listen i don't the reason i was bringing up the pit question is that your only concern usually with the fast ass car because if you think a guy's got a got a fast car, it's really going to show probably in the beginning of the race more than at the end. He's liable to drop off. That's why I'm never a big pole sitter guy at some places. I mean, it just has to depend on where it's at. Like, I'm looking at that guy that I think is going to be good in the damn race, not just I went out there and could lay down a fast, fast lap in some situations. Depending on how easy it is to pass. That's the kicker there. Yeah, Yeah. that's the kicker. Like Chris, you were talking about earlier, the road course is so hard to pass. I mean, if you if you have a pretty good inkling that the guy that's sitting on the pole or starting second or third is going to stay out, good luck passing him. Because yeah, that's yeah, I agree. Well, that and but then their day is done. I and and very based off of what we took last year, based off what we saw last year. The fastest car on a road course in stage one will never win stage one. They will be pitting because they're like, we are not going to give up this opportunity for a stage win when we have the best car. We are going to make sure that we keep our track position all day long. So that would you, you never want to take the 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 car you think is going to be best 
on the race to win stage one because they just won't do it. It'll take him out of the race unless it's like, even even if it's, it doesn't matter who it is. They're, the best car in stage one is not going to stay out and win the stage It, it based on the information we got last year. Agreed. Roy, anything else, Dad? Yeah, I you didn't Always. you you didn't ask me who I've already taken for the Daytona 500. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> give me one second. Three, two, one, and we're back. Rory <laughs> picks. Uh, you laid any wagers for the Daytona 500 yet? Yes, Let's Corey go. LaJoy. Corey oh, LaJoy, yeah. hundred to one. That's my only only bet that I've taken. Listen, but, if he can come that close at Atlanta, I know I'm not saying he – yeah, here's – never mind. Go ahead. It's possible. I'm with you. Big number. I mean, he's he's always, even in the old car, ran good at the super speedways. He he does do well on them, and that's his best play opportunity to win. I, I'll roll with him. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really big into super speedways. I'm not like I'm not a matchup guy at them. Oh, absolutely. And and all I'm looking for is if the books maybe mess up somewhere on somebody and that looks a little intriguing. But I mean, I feel like now more than ever, you used to could take a favorite and be confident in taking a favorite at Super Speedway. Now, I don't even want to even, like Chris said, like really don't even want to put any money on it, but I know I'm going to watch it. So <laughs> I do take something. And then that turns into maybe live betting if that something wrecks out. And I got other cars out there that are still alive to take. I mean, I don't mind laying a little coin on it to, to win when I'm watching it. Well, that makes one of me that will be betting super speedways this year. So I it bit this- me in my ass last year. Yeah, well, it- so did Bristol Dirt, and so I did you name it, a- Texas. Fuck me. I lost a shit ton of money on that first race of the year. I hit Logano at the Coliseum, and then I want to say I may well, ain't nobody hit- had Cendric. No one had yeah, a rookie hit- winning the five hundred. I, I hit Austin Hill on on Saturday. So I was having a pretty decent weekend up until that. That was ugly. And I was like, never again. I'm never again. So, is, so Corey LaJoy is your only bet right now, I'm assuming. Oh, you are betting the super speedway. You got to bet out. Yeah. yeah. Don't I be said, lying to yourself. If I see something that I like, that I can lay, you know. <laughs> that means you're betting it. Like <laughs> that's the that's it. Like the definition of betting a race is if you see something you like, you yeah. bet it. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not going. I'm not going full DGen on, on. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Way. No I, matchups. I, I'm with you there. I, if, betting matchups at a super speedway is like flipping a fucking coin. Well, that's why you take if you see anything that's like plus one thirty five or better. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with just flat betting, you know, those for a, a crumb, and then just hope you go fifty fifty, and you you're able to collect the the plus payouts. There is one. There's one bet that I've seen. Well, there was a couple. It's one of them is no longer there. Priest was a hundred to one on Bovada uh, to win the five hundred. I thought that was a decent price. And then Kyle Bush at Bet Fred right now is twenty five to one. I just don't think. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's going to win, but 
I think that there's a chance when Denny won, he probably had a better car than Denny uh, a couple years ago, and he just wanted to make sure that uh, Gibbs got the win and, you know, maybe a lesson we can teach. uh, Here's what scares me about betting Kyle Busch for the 500. Everybody's betting Kyle Busch for the 500. But he's never won in 500. He's won the the summer race at Daytona. So, you know, uh, he's due. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, go. but but I, I I love the number two. That's a gigantic number. I won't find anything even close to that. Um, I think if you're going to take Kyle Bush. I think if you're going to take KFB, take KFB in the damn qual in the 150. Take him there in that twin twin 150 race. I would take him then. Over at what price? Let's let's make sure we look at this through an odds yeah. lens, like. I mean, it's going to depend on where he qualifies or where yeah. he starts in that thing. Mm-hmm. And it depends on if Austin Dillon and is in that in that race. How many Chevys are in that race versus how many Toyotas and Fords? Let's just say I know they have a lot more Chevys than the the Fords and the Toyotas do. But let's say you get a whole team of Fords or a whole team of Toyotas, an organization. In that one single race, if they get that lucky that they all qualify odd or even and they end up in, in one of those together, then that that would make a deciding factor on is it worth it. I mean, I will be betting the duels but, because I will be at the duels. And, yeah, that'll be a whenever yes. those come I out. Mean, I mean, that's I mean, my thought process on the restrictor plates. It's like. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. My, my, one of my favorite parts about Rory is whenever he references certain things, he references like it's 2007, the twin 125s, the restrictor plates. There's so many other ones. If you listen, you'll pick up on it, but it's, I love it. It's it's great. Go ahead. It it is. I'm, I'm old school. I love it that we get to call the clash the Bush clash. I mean, yeah, that's, I do like that. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I mean, now if we can just get them back to sponsoring the middle tier series, we'd be back in business. I mean, that, that oh, that's was another awesome. one. Yeah, he one calls of, it the Bush series. <laughs> the Bush series. I mean, I'm a little bit better on that one, though. But it that's my way of capping. If I mean, if you put some thought process into the 500, it's like, all right. What driver is probably going to be the most aggressive driver? Try to stay out front all race Chastain. long. And, and yes. Or Lagana. Pastrana? Yeah. Yeah, then, I think that like, maybe aggressive and – aggressive and uh, yeah, yeah, maybe Pastrana. But, yeah. So I, I see where you guys are going with this, and I understand, Roy, but like then you have the 2018 or 2019 – coke zero shootout that was rained out and justin haley wins it's like all that thought and all that time and all that shit that you went through to find a good number and bet the guy you like and then we got fucking lightning strikes and justin haley wins an aspire car so i understand why you don't bet super speedways chris yeah who finished second that day it was uh i had whoever the hell finished second or was leading before the call. Kurt, Kurt Busch, Busch had leading, a pit. Right? Yeah, Kurt Busch had a pit. I think I had Kurt pit. Busch at that damn race, and that shit happened, and I'm just sitting there like, oh, my God. Like, this is terrible. 
it really was, was terrible. And I, I left that race and was walking back to my truck to drive back to Jacksonville. And I shit you not, probably 45 minutes after they called that race, 30 minutes after they called that race, it is sunshine with not a fucking cloud in the sky. Anyway, I'll never get over that. Um, all right, boys, uh, let's talk some let's talk some heavy hitters now. Uh, we alluded to it earlier in the show. We're going to talk. I can't, Kyle wait to hear, I can't wait to hear how much worm shits on Chase Elliott. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let these guys duke it out. I'm going to let these. I'm going to rattle off some stats. I'm going to give my little two cents, and then I'm going to. Uh, turn it to Chris on Larson, and then we'll go. actually, you know what? We'll flip that. We'll go Rory first on Larson, Chris first on Elliott. So Kyle Larson, uh, three wins last year, thirteen top fives, nineteen top tens. He led six hundred and thirty-five laps. Uh, about thirty percent of those were at Homestead, twenty-five percent. He was eliminated in the round of twelve after three abysmal outings, uh, and capped off at the Roval. Uh, but Kyle Larson was a great example about how this next-gen car changed the racing, changed the cream at the top. And I guess it didn't completely change the cream at the top, but you got a guy, Kyle Larson, comes in and wins double-digit races, wins the championship in 2021, and then comes in 2022. And, well, frankly, he started the season out pretty well, exclude Daytona. We go to Auto Club. He wins after blocking Chase Elliott. And then he follows that up with a second at Vegas, and you're you're sitting here going, "Here we fucking go again with Kyle Larson, right?" I mean, he's just going to dominate this. Race. And then he just goes on this epic shitty shit box run, sh- shitty run, and he didn't win again until August the 21st at Watkins Glen, which is, a, I mean, what a turn of events we thought that was. And I can tell you this: I was betting the shit out of Kyle Larson, think he was going to do the same thing he was doing in 2021, and boy, did I lose some money on that uh then he goes out and he just absolutely mops the floor with everybody at homestead which was the most entertaining race i've ever been to that's sarcasm but when you got the guy to win first stage and you got him in all these matchups and you got him to win the race fuck yeah it's entertaining um and his that was a really stupid price that they put out on him yeah i agree unbelievable all right well his over under win total is three and a half. Rory, talk to me about your guy. And if anybody has listened to probably one episode, because his name probably gets dropped at least once an episode, tell me about your guy last year. Tell me about your guy going forward. And tell me, talk to me about this three and a half over under win total. All right. So last year, I look at it as everybody, it seemed like, struggled in that car at certain stages of the season. And he he was still very fast on his mile and a half and and at the two miles, but a, a lot of the competition called up, I believe, or either – I'm going to say they fell back a little bit on trying to get that car right where it doesn't blow tires. But you can also put him in a car that he can ride that damn wall and and just – freaking go i mean he fought a loose race car all year because they never could nail it when they did nail it they were they were really good i mean he he had the second best car at kansas i mean behind kurt bush had a freaking kurt bush was three, really retro, good 
a retro three Jordan fucking rocket ship. And that's Sick my favorite cast, Jordan. By the way. That's my favorite Jordan, by the way. I know I know Big Perm's a, a big Jordan guy, I believe. You got some, don't you? I have yeah. The elevens are my favorite. So Ty Gibbs at Richmond. I, that was the best oh. car, I thought. Which ones are like, your favorite? Not, the 11s? You like the, the Concords? Yeah. Or, or the Concords or the all black with the red on, on the bottom? No, just the regular, the black. That like takes me back, man. Those are the shoes I wanted as a kid, man. So bad. I, and I still think it's like the sexiest shoe. I got those the other year for Christmas and I was like a kid again. I was like, I used to have these when I was like 12 or whatever the hell I was. And I'm like, now I got them again. And then my oldest, uh, uh, like the other night, he's like, hey, once I get into your size, you care if I start wearing those? And I'm like, don't touch my fucking shoes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love you, but no, don't touch my shoes. <laughs> like, I, I wear them every once in a while. When, when I feel like wearing them, I mean, you only get that chance every revolving how many every years it is till – until they release them again so yeah but but, you guys are talking a foreign fucking language to me i got some tacovas boots some tennis shoes and some dress shoes how's that roll for you (laughs) all right perfect (laughs) back to kyle larson all right so i mean he led he led a decent amount of laps this year but he didn't lead a whole hell of a lot you know compared to the year before but no, nobody else, t- you know, yeah, touched nobody that, really did. You know, neither. I mean, it was pretty spread out. I think when I looked at it a while back, it was like a couple of people in the 700s or 800 maybe or something. I don't even think anybody led a thousand laps this year. And I mean, that's that's pretty damn amazing for a NASCAR season. So are we are we still going to see a lot of that? like this upcoming year or like i said it, are the big money teams gonna cat like really nail it over the off season how many cars are we even like we're going back to the same shit like how many cars are even going to be available at the beginning of the year and we're going to see an aggressive coliseum that might actually put on a decent race if it turns into a freaking shit show or you know, are we going to see just that laid back approach again, like it was last year at the Coliseum, which turned that into a boring ass race? And then we go into Daytona, and nobody really wants to tear anything up. You know, going into the 500 because now we already got your California car built, but then we don't have the parts and shit to even have the next car ready. So we're probably going to be transferring everything into this 500 car. <laughs> getting it ready for for your next track and you know that's that's kind of a a problem but it's a good problem to have because i hope it really does take away the concussion um things yeah. that are are going on i mean it it really is a good thing i'm not bitching about that it just makes it hard as shit on us again i mean even my old lady like we were talking the other night and she was like, I wish the fuck I'd go back to that old car. <laughs> yeah, I agree. She was like, it's easier to, you know, handicap. <laughs> That's for sure. So, I mean, he he definitely is talented. 
I don't think is that right? No shit. Right. All right. Okay. And, so hey, new hot take. Kyle Larson is a talented race take. car driver. Yeah. And, and I mean, I I feel like he will get over three and a half wins unless he has bad bad luck, like he had in certain situations last year. I mean. He really should have won two, if not maybe three more races last year or had the possibility to. I mean, he was going to win the Coke 600. Chase yeah, Briscoe I'll give you that one. Chase Briscoe bombed him. So now we're up to four wins. Um, what if he doesn't stay out at Sonoma? Do you think he, if he kept track position instead of staying out to win stage one, do you think he would have been – he was fast. It's, uh, I think he might have been the only car at a road course last year that actually would have had a chance at winning the race and staying out at stage one. I thought he was that good. Uh, but, you know, you lose a tire, you're certainly not going <laughs> to. Well, that didn't, yeah, that didn't help. I also think that situation. he also wasn't maybe a top three car at Fontana. I mean, I think he was kind of lucky to win there. I think Reddick and Jones were both better than him. Oh, yeah. So okay. I'm trying to think of, you know, he was the best car at at least 10 races last year or two years ago, excuse me, in 2021, at least. Like he could have won more than that. 15. 15 I mean, he could have won a ton 15. of races. So I think NASCAR really, you know, the the variance of these cars is is small now. And that's why you see guys really pushing this air pressure they, they have to, you know, the, the margins are so slim that these cars are so close that every little advantage that they can get, they're going to take advantage of. I think where Larson struggled a little bit, I, I don't think that they adjusted their car very well throughout the last season. And I think that if, and it's, it's not that, you know, him and his crew chief, obviously they got a great thing going. Uh, they, got said Chad Johnson. <laughs> they got better. They got better. Yeah, they did. The but but still, but, they they they'd have to avoid problems. Recapping all of these races, kind of in the last two weeks that I've done, the guys that this, I know this sounds kind of stupid, but like just the guys that didn't find trouble and found themselves in the first couple rows of a late restart or a little bit of track position were able to win races. Like that 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 clean air was so good in in twenty twenty one Larson. If he restarted six and there was 20 laps to go, he was still going to win the race, you know, mm -hmm. whereas you restart six now, even if you're the best car, if you've had clean, if you've had nothing but clean air all day, it is really hard to make passes late in the race because you don't know what your car is going to do in that traffic. The guys that we saw win races last year were the guys that actually maybe made a mistake, had to go to the rear and were able to drive back up through the field and actually make passes. It was so hard to pass last year. So I don't know if it was like lack of adjustability in this car or, you know, I think that the, the cars, obviously the arrow is going to be really different, but you know, it, it's, it's crazy that he won in the fashion he did at Homestead with the cars being so like, there was no, I, I don't care what anyone says. People say, Oh, Truex. No, Truex was not even the same zip code. Now he was clearly second best, mm -hmm. but if this thing stays green the whole time, Truex isn't even a lead lap fucking car. So like, like that's the deal. Larson wins by more than a lap. So uh, I think that just that the, I, I do think if all the dust settles, I, I even said today, I, I couch racers put out a 
post that said like, who's the, who's the best driver in NASCAR. And I said, if everyone has a really good car, I think it's Kyle Larson because he'll find a way to make a pass where other guys might not be able to, if, all the cars are not very good. Everyone's on an equally poor handling race car. I think Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch are better. They're, they just do a better job of taking a bad car and making it better. Kyle Larson, he's not going to take a, a bad car uh, and, and necessarily win a race where I do think that Hamlin and, and Kyle Busch could. So I'm interested to see what Larson does. He's probably still going to be overpriced. Remember, we still have to look at everything we say through an odds lens. Now, if we start to see value on Kyle Larson, maybe we see him at 12 to one or 15 to one in some races. Well, you know, if he's a top three or four car, it might be worth the nibble, but if he's going to, we're going to see this seven or eight to one on him. I'd rather just hold out and maybe grab him live knowing that he's, uh, yeah. you know, the, the class of the field that day. Yeah, absolutely. I, that That's what I was getting ready to say is I've almost gotten to the point where I like live betting better than I do taken early on as far as on outrights like unless it's a price at, at the very beginning of the week you jump on it get it know it's gonna gonna drop it's just way way mispriced then yeah take it but i had quite a few live, live bets last year i mean it it was something that was nice nice to have and like you said you can really get a feel for what's going on sometimes it's a late adjustment and you can if you're paying attention to lap times and and really watching the race you can see when a dude just looks like oh god he's got it the car looks just like a freaking rocket ship compared to everybody else like you see a guy going around the outside fucking passing every damn body and everybody else is running the inside like unless it's just they got four tires and everybody else has zero, that car has came to life. And most of the time, it's in a transition race that comes from daylight and in, into dark. Most trick, trickiest ones to bet is is the freaking starts in the evening, ends at night. That transition, like sometimes, takes a really big ass haywire turn and all of a sudden you got somebody like let's say denny hamlin truex or somebody that doesn't qualify very well well all of a sudden that car is set up for night and it it makes it makes it a little bit more difficult on those but i feel like i wouldn't i wouldn't fool with that freaking over and under one way or the other i mean i think he's very capable of winning more than three and a half races but i also think it's very capable of going under i mean it i don't like over and under chris win, if win you had to be honest with you chris if you had five thousand dollars and the only thing you could bet was kyle larson win total three and a half what are you taking it's a free ten. It's free ten thousand. I would say I would probably take the under, and I think he's going to win at Homestead again. So I, I just, I just didn't see him be the dominant car, and he was lucky to win it at Homestead or not Homestead. He was lucky to win it at Fontana, in my opinion. You know, look, he didn't win his. I know that he did win at Fontana. He didn't win his first stage until Kansas. 
Kansas, 13 races into the season. This guy won 10 times the year before. He didn't win his first stage until Kansas. So yeah. I, I just think that it, it, four wins is a lot. Now, if he cleaned it up, if it was, you know, if you took, if you took uh, Larson's talent and you put it on the nine team, I would say, yes, he's for sure going to win more than four races. But right now, the five team, they made too many mistakes. And, and not a, that's not on the team it's only. It's also on Larson. You know, he, he spun out a few times. He even said, like, halfway through the, the Coke 600, he's like, this is the worst race I've ever had. You know, I know that the track went through a transition, and then he was, you know, there to potentially win the race. But I would take the under, and that's including a, another beatdown at Homestead. Well, I mean, you think about it as – we had five wins was the most wins last year by any driver. When the hell was that the last last time that that actually happened? I mean, I can remember seasons of Harvick rattling off eight, you know, ten. Had Hamlin and, and him both that one year. It was like, what, nine and eight, something, something like that. I mean, it's been been a pretty good ways back where it was like a rare rare occurrence that you didn't at least have that one team that just was like straight up dominant. Well, I, think I think that's out of the question now with this car. Right. For you know, for the most part. I I mean you would have to get really just everything fell your way and you you were lucky, but also the best car that year. Yeah. If you're gonna go into this season betting it like you did last year or I don't know how to phrase this. It, knowing what you know after last season and going into this season betting like we spoke earlier, I don't think you can take anybody's prop that's three and a half or four and a half over. I agree. I mean, you, I you're agree. gonna there's we know for a fact. I don't know for a fact. I'm gonna well, there's two types of risk. There's there's idiosyncratic risk, which is driver risk, so driver specific or team risk, but then there's also systematic risk, which is that's gonna be something that the entire the series has to deal with. And right now I think there's too much risk across the series to take that over for, sorry to cut you off, but I think that's what you were trying to say is like, I think you're right. Anyone, if you think anyone's going to go out there and dominate this year, I think you got another thing coming. I think we can see more of what we saw last year for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, you alluded to him. uh, If you put Kyle Larson in this guy's seat, uh, he'd probably, you might, consider taking the over-under. Well, Chase Elliott's over-unders at three and a half. Uh, last year, five wins, 12 top fives, 20 top tens. He led a league best or an association best, 857 laps. He also had the best average finish by an entire position, 12.47. Second is Ross Chastain, uh, 13.4. Um, he made the final four, and he got turned – off of Mr. Wallride's front bumper. I, I don't think he had the car to win it. Um, but, damn, if he didn't have a, a damn good season, uh, most wins in the Cup Series, most laps led, uh, probably most top tens. I don't know if anybody else has notched, notched 20, maybe Ross Chastain. But a uh, couple highlights. He won Dover. That was his first win of the season, which we were just talking about before the pod. That's one place that Chris and I would absolutely love to go to. And I think I might actually make it work this year. Um, and then in the summertime, he didn't finish worse than second, like six years in a row or years, six races in a row. Uh, he won Nashville. He was second at road America. Uh, 
he won Atlanta. He had to wreck Coyle Joy to do it. We were all holding Coyle Joy tickets, and then went second at New Hampshire. And and then the ra- these are all consecutive races. And then the race after that, this is my favorite stat of the 2022 NASCAR Cup season. Chase Elliott won a race without winning a singular winning without leading a singular lap. Thank you to that piece of tape from JGR. Um, he just went on this unreal spell and then, you know, kind of cooled off. You know, he had so many points going into the playoffs uh, that he could kind of carry himself to the final four or the championship four. Um, Chris, what do you, what are you thinking out of Chase Elliott this year? Over under win total is three and a half. He won five last year. He was by the numbers, the class of the field uh, from the eyeball test. You, you, one could argue. Absolutely not. Uh, what are your thoughts on Chase Elliott last year and going into 2023? I think it's kind of where he deserved to finish in the chase or the 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 championship is that fourth place. Be, you know, I know that his team operated on a level that they just didn't make mistakes. And I think that that was the theme of last year. Like I Kansas, there's this crazy stat when when at the start of the third stage, you know, Kurt Busch won the race and he had a great car. But he was also the only car in the top 15 without an issue on the weekend. Like, that is a crazy stat to have someone at least have a penalty or an issue or a blown tire. And I think just the the lack of mistakes just kind of took that team to the next level. I can only think of one race where he was the best car throughout the entire race and that he didn't even win it. And that was what Watkins Glen. You know, he was the best car that day. You know, the you know, the end of the race kind of got away from him there. But other than that, you know, he, he was good at Nashville towards the end, but he needed a rain delay and he needed the night to come on and, and that track to, to change a little bit for him to be fast. I always say this, you have to have speed to win this thing. You know, I feel like a lot of the times, even at Phoenix, the, the, the fastest car uh, will, will get it done. And, and also at Phoenix, a little bit of pit road there. So, they just avoided penalty or avoided avoided penalties and they avoided problems and his team just did a hell of a job. I, I think I like listening to Eddie DeHaan more than anybody as a spotter. I just, he's my go-to. He gives great feedback on other cars and it, I don't know. It was, it was a great season, but it was never a, a championship type speed. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't know. Is he a good driver? Yeah. Is he exciting? No. <laughs> He's boring. I, thought, I mean, wait, the only, the, the, my favorite Chase Elliott memory is the double bird at Darling double birds. Kyle Bush. That's it. That's yeah. great. No, I agree. That's the only time I've ever seen him show emotion or, you know, I know he got into Denny Hamlin and that whole Martinsville deal, but pff, he did the same thing. You know, that was kind of a hypocritical, uh, <laughs> like fight there because he had just done the same thing. So mm-hmm. I, I Chase is man, they just they figured out a way to get done, but he wasn't the best car at Dover. I thought that Truex was the best car at Dover. You know, uh I don't really watch the the Rory's plate races. Um but uh <laughs> I, I you know he wins two of those, which is fine. You know, whatever. Uh I don't know. I'm not I thought coming off of his 2020 season that's when he won the chase right or the Mm -hmm. championship yeah Yeah, 2020 i thought 2021 he was gonna mop 
the floor with everybody because he was hands down the fastest car towards the end of that 2020 season. I mean, he was that Martinsville run. He had to win there. And then he started at the back at Phoenix. I don't know if you remember this race. Oh yeah. This kid was plus two fifty to win the race. I'm like, Oh, he's going to the rear. This is perfect. I'm going to get him live 20 laps in. He's already like minus 175. He had passed half the damn field. So I mean, it was incredible, and he should have. He was the fastest car towards the end of 2020. He wasn't the fastest top five car, in my opinion. You have to be fast on mile and a half to to win this uh, this championship, in my opinion. And I don't even think he was top five throughout the season. I thought all the Toyotas were faster than him. So he, it was known, and I, I said it multiple times. He straight up sucked at a few mile and a halfs. I mean, he couldn't crack the top 15 if he got lucky. I mean, it was bad. Dude, you're right. Las Vegas? Are you kidding yeah. me? You're Michigan. supposed to go win a championship, and you're just going to straight up run 16th? Like, yeah. I mean, it, I wonder what it was like back there. Like, I started think. 20th, finished 21st. That was his Vegas race. <laughs> oh, and my the cra- and the And the crazy thing is, is he's not a bad mile-and-a-half driver. It was just how bad they were missing it. I mean, he had started to become in the – what gen six whatever the hell gen six right we're on seven yeah we're on right. seven all right so gen six car he actually was maybe the second best car at a lot of mile and a half behind larson and maybe the fastest car in some instances i mean he he had a better car than hamlin did at las vegas in the playoffs that year remember he he ended up starting at the rear of the field but still on the lead lap versus Larson lost that damn lap, had to take the wave around. Elliott was sitting in the lucky dog spot, got his lap back, and then drove back through the field and was running Hamlin down at the end of that race. It was 2021. Because Larson stayed, they did that dumbass pit decision he would have won probably again like he won at Las Vegas yeah. earlier that year with the dominant-ass race car. And that was that sexy-ass black car. I love that black five scheme that night. That that was a pretty-ass car not to get into victory lane because we fucked the damn pit situation up here. But anyway. Mark, Chase, to, add to, your, to add to your chase at Vegas – his driver rating was 57. Oh god. I mean, how do you how, was how do you have and it's like the most basic I mean that's a that is as cookie cutter mile and a half. You have to have like aero speed is important. It's not like there's a ton of fall off at Vegas, right? Like fast teams are just going to be fast there. And to see him running around Cole Custer, Michael McDowell, Eric Amarola, Ty Gibbs, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Corey LaJoy uh, that's a problem because mm-hmm. that that's a that's a team that has to use all of their resources on these next two races to even make it to the final four. And you know, that's I think that cra- that's that's the craziest part is is he knew what he was up against. The whole team knew what he was up against. Mister H knew what they were up against, and they just they had to have just flat out missed it because what Rory is saying, he's not he's shown great speed. And great driving ability on mile and a half. But I'm wondering hell, how comfortable he is in this race car versus the old race car on the mile and a half. That's what I wonder as far as 
is he scared taking it out on the edge? It's too snappy, too, too, too. But loose, can you blame or, him? Or, it, and the concussion. Can you blame him? He won five deal. races. Right. It, he won also five true. races still. And so like, that's, and that's what I was getting ready to say. He's a guy, in my opinion, like, I don't even know how the hell he's at the number one spot in the speed rankings, but I was getting ready. Isn't that what, what people have posted that, that you're asking dude, the wrong guy. I mean, I'm pretty sure I seen where he was up there. Maybe not the top, but he's a guy that had to have been the top in second half of the race speed. They they made some good calls, maybe got Agreed. lucky sometimes. Their adjustments were great. Adjustments were freaking awesome on that car. And and he doesn't he doesn't overdrive the race car to be as young of a driver as he is. He is a very mature driver and and has basically always been a pretty good pretty good driver as far as not gonna tear the damn race car up. But I feel like in some situations he can be more aggressive than what he is. I mean Probably, but but I don't know that that necessarily pays with this car. No, like, it look at the aggressive guys. You look at the guys like, you know, Larson, I feel like Larson's aggressive. I feel like Kyle Busch is aggressive. And they just weren't very patient. I think that Chase is a really patient driver. He kind of lets it the is. track come to him. He doesn't stress out if he's losing positions early in the race. He gives good feedback. They're able to, to kind of work their way up and then give himself a chance to be there at the end. And I think that that's what a championship team needs. But to, to win this thing, you still have to have speed. So I don't blame, like, my advice to drivers this year would be like, hey, let's not push it. Let's be there at the end. I mean, the fastest cars dropped out like flies this year. It seemed like whoever took the lead had an issue all year long. And he didn't take the lead early in the race, so he never really had any issues. And he just kind of had a good finish and was able to capitalize uh, on a yeah. few late race restarts and, and, and with clean air. So as much as I want to you know, kind of trash him for not being that fast, you can't blame him. He still won five races in a year where it was hard to win races. Yeah, he led led the led NASCAR, led the Cup Series, and in, in wins, and you can't take that away from him. No, nah, and I mean, I think I really do believe that Hendrick is going to get a little bit better on the road courses. I mean, Larson won Watkins Glen. Where what did Chase? Did Chase, Chase didn't win a damn road course, right? A place um, where he used to used to be. No, Dominant no, I don't think that. he did. He did yeah, not. he didn't. No, he didn't win one. Dover, Nashville, so, Atlanta, Pocono, Dega. But I mean, even out, even even at Coda and Indy, they adjusted on that car, and he was in the top five at the end end of those races. Well, he was I mean, trash in practice at Coda. I faded the yes, shit out of him, and I was. learned a tough lesson that he's still good at road course races yeah. and. He stayed out of trouble. Like, so there, there's it, something it, to be said you know, for that. Chris, you might be onto something because um, I haven't looked into it at all, but but it did seem like when you said that a lot of the leaders, a lot of the fast cars got taken out. And you wonder if it's because, yes, it's the car's on edge, it's hard to drive. Yes, the aerodynamics causes it to be hard to pass. Yes, these guys, you know, a little mixture of aggressiveness. And knowing the fact that it's so hard to pass and it's so hard to win in this new car that you got these guys that are 
making mistakes and, and wrecking each other. Um, and who's going to stay clean? Yeah. So I think I, w- I was thinking about this because, you know, you go back and you rewatch the races and you actually are watching the racing and it seemed like the cars that were good, it's almost like they felt like, Hey, if I'm not leading this race, like, let's just say they had, they qualified well and they practiced well, they were like, Hey, I have to do everything I can to stay out front where guys that had cars that maybe they were struggling with the handling and practice are like, listen, these things are edgy. Let's not push it. Let's try to steal some track position with maybe some sort of a strategy call. Let's just kind of hang around. And that worked the entire year. I mean, if you look at the fastest cars at Fontana, that one, the fastest cars at Fontana didn't win. The fastest cars at Las Vegas didn't win. At Phoenix, probably won. Well, Blaney was probably the fastest. But, um, you know, if you go to – then you go to Richmond, that – I don't even know who was fast there. That was just who was fast on that strategy. strategy. Uh, Martinsville, I think the best car at Martinsville was – uh, for sure, William Byron. But, you know, usually in the first 10 races of the season, the fastest car will win a couple of them. And we went through the first 10 races and the fastest car didn't win any of them. So uh, I don't know. I think that if you just have an average car or average car in practice, maybe you just don't get aggressive with air pressures. You're like, hey, you know, we probably had an eighth place car. We're running fifth. Let's just keep those air pressures where they're at. Let's not take any risks. This will be a great finish for us. Well, a couple cautions later and the leaders, you know, have issues. And there you're starting on the first two rows of the final restart. Go win the damn race. So mm-hmm. that's I'm, I'm curious to see if that that mentality or that style will carry over this year. Yeah, that <clears throat> that's why I think live betting has became just it even matchups i mean some books leave featured matchups up live for the majority of the race i mean they may not they may not leave them up into the third stage but you can definitely take them through the second stage on a lot of them and it changes but sometimes you can catch you know a decent number on a guy if you sit back wait let's say they speed on pit road have to start back there like chris said i mean that's what's made this car has made gambling, like handicapping, more frustrating at times at certain races because it has created situations where strategy calls need to be made. So it it's kind of it's added excitement to NASCAR, I believe, and and I like it being. Sp- spread out as far as on a fan base side but like on a, a gambling side we hate this shit <laughs> like, so if you it, i'll ask the same question to you that i asked chris if you had ten thousand dollar free bet and the only thing you could put it on was chase elliott's three and a half over under wins what are you taking what was the line three and, three a, and half. a half i know but what, what are we talking about just call it even money it doesn't matter i'm even even money Call it even money. Minus 110 both sides. I'm taking the under three and a half. Really? I think he, I think he's poster child. He's ranged, I mean, anywhere from probably two to five. So they nailed it at the three and a half, just to get it three and a half. I mean, that would be my call out on him. I mean, I think he's very capable of winning five. I mean, he's – he, in my opinion, would be the driver that I would take at the top of the field going into the Daytona 500. If I was going to get 1,200 on him, I'm going to go I ahead and get a... it now. I oh, mean, he's frozen. Oh, now he's back. Huh? 
Can you hear us? Huh? Me? Yeah. Who? Yeah, oh, I'm sure. reading a tweet. Someone just someone just chirped me on Twitter, and I'm about ready to light them oh, up like boy. a Christmas tree. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, I, I got to say this. How the fuck did you know that Chase Elliott's won between two and five races? This guy just pulls shit out of his ass, and he's just <laughs> correct. And I just – three wins, three wins, five wins, two wins, five wins. How the fuck, dude? I mean, do you, I know he's not looking at stats. I know he doesn't have a whole <laughs> Word document that's railed with stats that I'm looking at, and he just pulls it out of his ass. I'm good so with you taking? Oh, you're taking the under. Oh, Golly. I wish I, could I don't even. Shit. And I don't do unders. <laughs> Life's too short to bet the under. Come on. I love primetime unders. All right. Um, Rory's taking the under on Chase Elliott, three and a half wins. Um Let's talk about our guy, Denny Hamlone. Uh, two wins last year, 10 top fives, 16 top tens. He led 624 laps, uh, and he had a 15.53 average finish, which puts him in the bottom half of the field. Could you believe that? Um, but he started the season finishing outside the top 10 seven straight races, uh, and then he magically just – well, he had the right strategy call – at Richmond, one Richmond. Um, and that just, you could stop there, and that just shows you how Denny Hamlin's season went. Terrible, 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 and then boom, popped up out of nowhere. Um, he showed tremendous speed on the mile and a half, just like all Toyotas did. Uh, finished fourth at Kansas, won the Coke 600, uh, led a bunch of laps at Nashville, led a bunch of laps at Michigan, led, you know, 203 laps at Martinsville, and it looked like he was going to be in the transfer spot to the to the championship for uh all race until the the melon man decided to change that drop some balls on the entire field um but his over under win total is two and a half and uh i actually i i don't have an opinion on the other two guys because i i just don't have a grip on what's going to happen with wins next year but i do think denny hamlin is 100 percent so capable and favorable to win three races next year. And if you can just get the road course program turned around, watch out for the Toyotas and watch out for Denny Hamlin. Cause I think Denny Hamlin's going to have a hell of a year. Um, I'll let you guys figure out who's going to rattle off Denny Hamlin. If anyone has a strong opinion, one way or the other fire away, Rory. All right. So Denny Hamlin over two and a half wins. I would take the over on this. And that's just because it's low enough where I think it's in his range where last year he probably should have won, what, four more races than the two that he won? I mean, could have. And I think two is definitely his floor. And I think five, he could be the leader and finally get that championship this year if they ever, fin fit, if they ever figure Phoenix out. I mean, they struggle there for some damn reason. And maybe Christopher Bell having a good run might bring in some kind of knowledge or something in, into, that, into that organization that helps them at Phoenix because he was the only one that finally at the end picked up some speed. But Hamlin, Hamlin to me is probably your guy that, that you're always looking to at Darlington, at at mile and a half, he's he's became a stud 
at the mile and a half. And even Michigan, I mean, he he can he can wheel it around a, a two mile. I mean, I feel like Hamlin does better at at your more. He, he does really good at high tire wear tracks because he does take care of his shit, and that comes back from that old late model running on a lot of old old ass tracks that wore wore tires out. And he he excels on those, but he also excels basically every damn word but Phoenix. <laughs> it seems like nowadays, and it really impressed me of how well they ran in the playoffs. They didn't get they didn't get in. He coasted, in my opinion, and should have been a little bit more aggressive at Martinsville. I mean, dude had a rocket. <laughs> well, I feel like Martinsville, you might have to throw a little asterisk next to that race. Uh, he did get that stolen from him in three and four. Uh, so, Well, what I'm saying is is he won, what, two stages there, then fell yeah, back he led a little almost bit. half the race, yeah. He fell back a little bit. Martinsville's already hard to pass at. And they were keeping an eye on Chastain, and it's just like, well, he's not even close. And I'm, he yeah. He passed Chastain in that last run and then passed right. like two more cars. I mean, he was way right. better than Chastain. He just, oh, yeah. he got yes. us. I mean, a raw, raw, unlucky deal. I mean, it, it was what cool are you going to do at that point? You're not going to do it shit was, unless you just take right. a right into him. No, I mean, you're not going to do shit. I understand that, but I also believe that towards the end of that race, I don't know if it was because the car fell back in traffic and maybe it was a little bit different than being out front with the actual clean air pushing down on the nose, getting it where where it was in in its groove and then – Falling back, you're in dirty air, and maybe the car just wasn't as good. But it, but it, he's he's a type of guy now that has that maturity, but still can win. It's almost like Harvick, you know. Harvick's been really, really good all the way up, and you know he's 47 now, and Hamlin's 41. He's putting a lot of that experience, and if he doesn't get a championship now. I think during this season, maybe next season, it starts to fade. But his just talent and and knowing of how how to not abuse a car that's not handling well puts him in a very good mix to be at the end of a lot of races, and they make a lot of the right calls at the end. So that that's my opinion on leaning towards the overall net. Mark, I'm actually curious what you think about Denny. I, I I'm objective. I like Denny Hamlin. Um, I I like him to win three races next year. Um, I like the speed that Toyota had on the mile and a half. I like what he did at Martinsville. Like Rory said, you never see him at, at Phoenix. Um, but he's a veteran. And by the way, Rory got both of those ages correct. I just fact checked him. Fucking incredible. <laughs> Um, he, he is 41 and, and, you know, it doesn't seem to me that the ownership stake in 2311 has hindered him. Now that could change. He's doing a lot of stuff this year. I mean, he's adding a podcast, he's owning the team. He's got three cars in the 500, but I think last year showed us, I mean, he only won two races, but, um, he was in position without Ross Chastain's nuts riding the wall. 
to make the the championship four. Um, and then all bets are off when you get to the championship four. I mean, yep, any I one of those four guys could win. So, yes, I, I am a Denny Hamlin uh, uh, stan this year. And I think Denny Hamlin wins uh, three races or more. So count me in for Denny Hamlin. I like Hamlin. that. I agree. So I'll say this about Denny Hamlin. I say the same thing about Justin Thomas in golf. If I am going to war with someone in NASCAR, I am going to war with Denny Hamlin because I know I am going to get – He's going to claw, scratch, and do whatever the hell he has to do to win. And I love that predictability with him. And not in like the Kyle Busch is kind of the same way. And I'm not saying the other drivers maybe aren't like that. But I don't know. There's something about Denny as a competitor. I've seen him on the golf course. The guy wants to win like at anything. He's just a competitor. So I love that because you know what you're going to get. And I think if he restarts in the, the, the top two rows – or the first two rows at, at any track, he is a threat to win that race. And it's not that he's even great at restarts, but man, does he just, he somehow gets it done. And Rory, to your point at Martinsville, he, he wasn't good uh, when he was in traffic. He wasn't the best until it was 80 laps into a run. Now, when he was leading, yeah, it's really everyone's fast when they're out front and they got that clean air on the nose. But if that had been just yeah. a longer run to finish the race, he still would have, he probably would have run them down after 80 laps. So Hey, boss. Everyone was the same for 80 laps. Everyone was the same for 80 laps. Right there. You know what? When it made Martinsville, the second Martinsville, a great race, is if they would have just started with 80 laps on their tires, that would have made it a great race because it was a conveyor belt for the first 80 laps of every run. And then it was like, no tire fall off. Like, hey, listen, (laughs) like, let's just start it on 80 laps because then it was racing. Cars were getting loose. You could get underneath, you could make passes. But before that, everyone was the same. There was nobody passing anybody. And then as soon as 80 laps clicked, I mean, Denny was a couple tenths a lap faster. I think he won- he got up to like a five or six second lead, I want to say, at one point when he was running eighth, 30 laps before that. So uh, I think Denny's going to win more than two races. He-, he obviously has speed. He was his own worst enemy last year, whether it was speeding on pit road. Uh, he lost a couple tires, you know, so and, and Gabe Hart's a great crew chief. If you're going to have someone setting up your car, he is oh, yeah. he's really good. And to lose him for as many races as they did last year, I think really hurt. But I, I'm a big Denny fan. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of, you know, I, I was a little pissed at him. I, I lost my ass at Richmond because in the pre-race interview, they were talking about, you know, how all the cars were the same. And he said, well, or, or they, then they said something like, well, you're great at this track. You know, you, you have to be one of the favorites. And he said, well, it's really hard to win the Kentucky Derby with a three-legged donkey. So I went ahead and faded him in matchups thinking that, okay, yeah, Denny is not good. And uh, then he goes on to win the race. So I don't know. I'm a Denny fan. I just think, you know, he does have a lot going on. And there were certain instances last year when they had to, you know, on the radio, he'd ask, like, what happened to the 23 car? And Gabe Hart's like, oh, we got to concentrate on what we're doing. You know, he is paying attention to that. You know, he cried when Kurt Busch won, you know, at Kansas. And so you can tell his heart and soul is with that 23XI. Now, is he still going to try to beat the shit out of him every time he's in a car? Yes. But I think, you know, what's going to happen eventually uh, is you just know what's going to happen there. So I I think, you know, the Phoenix thing is weird uh, that he's not good there. He tends to qualify well, but. He, he certainly was kind of non-existent, you know, the, the past couple of years there. And you, I hope he gets a championship. Yeah, so do I. I really do. And 
that's maybe the fan in me that might be the gambler in me that sees the light with Denny Hamlin, but I really hope he does win a championship. And I, th- I think he does. I mean, I, I don't, I think he's too good of a driver. He's got too much heart. And now you're, I'm a gambler over here talking about heart. You, Chris, you got me fired up about uh, yeah. caring. Right. But you, yeah. Hey, you, yeah. Chris, you, you mentioned something um, that I've heard you speak about a few times, you know, over the last year or so is driver comments. How do you filter? And and I don't really pay attention as much to driver comments as I should. But how do you filter them? Say, okay, they're probably just saying that for TV, or okay, he just hit on something. I'm going to use that. You have to just know the driver. You know, I, I think the most famous would have been Carl Edwards, because you know this, you know, '99. You know, Roush, Fenway, Ford, Kellogg's car. It's bad fast, man. It's like, no, it's not. You qualified 21st. You're hoping to finish top 10. But Carl, that's just the kind of guy he was in front of the camera. Kyle Busch's. Now, I would say driver comments in interviews aren't as important as driver comments, like maybe during practice. Mm-hmm. During practice, you know, if someone's frustrated, uh, you know, that that's obvious, you know, and it shows up usually on the stopwatch too. So uh, I think driver comments are really important, but they also you also have to take it with a grain of salt. You know, Kyle Busch is going to bitch no matter what, even if he's leading, you know, uh, there's going to be complaints always. So, but there's just certain guys that if, uh, you know, for example, just to say like a middle, middle tier guy, like, uh, well, I, I know Kevin Harvick's not a, a, a middle tier guy, but he kind of ran, you know, eighth to 12th all year. He was, you know, he won a couple of races, but was never just a rocket ship. If he says the car is really good, uh, that that's important to me because he's, he's enough of a veteran to say, I don't really care what my practice times look like. I can do whatever I want with that thing. And this thing, if I can work on the, if it works in the bottom and the top and I have enough speed, I know I'm going to be damn good. So, you know, even at Loudon, in practice, he didn't have a ton of fall off, but he, his, his comments were, man, this thing is really good. It's, I'm very, very comfortable running multiple grooves and I think I'll be able to, to make passes. So, uh, yeah, it is tough. I guess you have to have a little bit of feel. I would say you try to marry up their practice times along with their comments and see, you know, maybe who's full of shit and who's actually telling the truth. Yeah. It comes with being a fan of the sport, right? Student of the game. Yeah. Rory, are you driver comments guy? Yeah, I listen. I listen to the interviews, or I pay attention if if Worm says something about them, or I know he he watches watch has a little bit more time than I do to watch some some of the things. So no no it, no kids and no job that helps. Hey, yeah, just a, a tad. Here's my opinion on you. All right. I understand how hard what you're what you're doing is because that's what I wanted to do over the off season was go back, watch all the races, and then do like three or four weeks. Hey, all right. It just I was like, you know what I'm gonna do this year though, to save myself from this trouble? I'm gonna take notes while the oh. damn race is going on. Just Whoa. a few. So I don't have to go back and quite just just pick up. My memory is good enough visually. If I have the notes Clearly. that I already took, and then it's the just The black like, car at Vegas that boom. finished 21st. It's like, fuck. 
I know. Unbelievable. <laughs> that 41 year old Hamlin. It's like, what? Well, so I actually, I, I'm not going to say what I have, but I have a new piece of content that I'm going to be coming out with every week throughout the season. Uh, it's not a podcast. Um, but yeah, it'll be to help kind of log some of that information that, cause you forget, you know, like how many times have you put out a bunch of bets at a track and it doesn't go your way. And you're like, I told myself I wasn't going to bet this race this year. And I still did it anyway. Like I fell into the trap. So, uh, hopefully this will help kind of, um, remember what happened in the races. All right, so we're looking forward that's a little to it. teaser. We got, yeah. We yeah. got something cooking that's new for this season. We're going to be doing a Sunday morning, late morning, early afternoon, depending on where the race is, uh, YouTube live stream, just because, nice. you know, we have the NASCAR betting preview show on Wednesdays and we talk matchups and we talk a little bit of different props and, um, and we'll have our podcast weekly, but you know, for someone like me that does the offshore and locals, some of these matchups don't drop until Friday, Saturday, sometimes, you know, down the board Sunday morning. So um, I think that's our Sunday morning show is, is going to really put out some winners because we can talk all we want Monday through say Friday about well, the guys we like and the, the matchups that we like and the, the board. We can say we like the board absolutely. and then you get through practice of qualifying. You're like, well, that was fucking wrong. Right. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I got to I have to use practice and qualifying or, or I'm going to use practice and qualifying. So I think, you know, we're going to we're going to roll that out and hopefully that'll put out some winners. Well, we also pick awesome. up we also pick up new matchups in the legal markets, too, as well. They'll drop some that they had before that, not even repost them and they'll <laughs> add more to it. I mean, it just. It just depends, but I have seen it where they add a whole lot more on on coming up on race day after qualifying mm -hmm. than you have in the middle of the week that it's actually something that I do like and will bet. I mean, Caesars, Caesars actually puts up some pretty decent matchups, it seems like, later on after, qual after qualifying, in my opinion, that other books don't have. And it's matchups a lot of times that align up more with the offshore matchup type stuff, not bottom bottom tier things, but more up here. And I I think it it's something that everybody knows now with this car. I think practice and qualifying shows a whole lot for for a lot of different reasons, it seems like. I mean, a lot of guys you can pick up on, and, and Worm has said it, if they unload fast, they're probably going to be really good the rest of the weekend. Versus mm -hmm. your type of guys that maybe maybe overvalued going into the race, and then all of a sudden they show up with a car that doesn't qualify good, and then it doesn't get back through the field and now – you i i know i'm gonna be a little bit more patient this year going going into the weekend and not unless it's a really fucked up line that i really just like and want to take it i think i'm gonna wait a whole lot more going in and that's a good idea also gonna have some dfs yeah rory's gonna spearhead that i ain't a shit about dfs yeah i don't know it's all gonna be rory yeah all right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap up, but we're going to do one last thing before we wrap up. And uh, that is a exact score prediction 
on Jags Chiefs. And everybody knows what mine is, so I'm going to let you all go first. And whoever's closest gets 100 bucks. And if I win, I'll just keep the 100 How about that? Rory, you got something out of your ass? He And Rory Jags would be the guy to Chiefs. freaking exact – exact score i mean he totally would be Jags there's like no ch- i have no what? chance of beating him like there's just he's gonna hit it on the number he's gonna I say know. like he's gonna say 51 and a half and somehow they're gonna award a half a point to you know for the first time I, ever so we're guessing we're guessing the fucking total of the two no exact score well, you have to guess the exact score, exact score. Yeah. Okay. each team points, and what's yeah. the weather what's the weather gonna be in kansas With, City? well i was gonna go it was like high of 40 low of 28 the game's at 415 what so kind of wind to... what kind of wind i have no fucking clue just give me a score come, on, <laughs> come the fuck on oh we'll do oh, the holding God. noise again do do when, do they play do they they play saturday at saturday four? at 415 or four thirty. Dude, you dude, want me to go got, first? I got an idea. We got we I'll got go light first. rain. We've already wasted and this much time. Snow, light rain and snow, but not a whole lot of wind. Man, I give the I'm gonna say Kansas City. I hope he says something like seven to five. No. It'd be correct. <laughs> like three <Yeah>. to four. <laughs> Kansas City 23 oh, and Jack Go ahead. and Jacks and Jacksonville 13. No comment. Okay. I am gonna say it's gonna be Kansas City 31, Jacksonville 17. All right, well, uh, uh, give me a second to document this because the Jags are going to win 34-27. Exact score. Okay. 34-27. Wait. All right. 31-27? 34-27? 34-27 is the final answer. Okay. Okay. Bucks I mean, the here's the thing. Like, I- I'm not a big fan, like, sports fan like you guys are. Like, I, I kind of pay attention. I just enjoy watching a good game. But you kind of become – you know, who your friends are, are fans of, you know, and, you know, I got a diehard, like one of my best friends is a, a charger fan. So I was rooting on the chargers just Ooh. because now, but here, but now like you're my boy, Marky Mark. Now I'm rooting on the Jags. Like, I hope that they win. Um, but you know, I'm I, a diehard I actually Cowboys to use your brain. fan. You get- <laughs> I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. You gonna root uh, for them too? He's also an Alabama fan. He's a Larson. I, I, you fan. know what? I have some buddies. He's everybody that wins. <laughs> I I have some friends that are Cowboy fans, like my buddy Colt and uh, the Trius boys. They're they're good. They're Cowboy fans. I don't know many Niner fans, so I'm hoping that the Cowboys. Uh, I'll take Cowboys, Jacksonville. I don't care about. I couldn't give two shits about the the Eagles and Giants, but uh, <laughs> Bills. I I like uh, I like the Bills. You know, fun just, to watch. I don't know. Yeah, my mom's from kind of around there, so it's fair enough. All right, boys, Chris, thanks for joining us. This is a hell of a podcast. Oh, we don't, under two we don't hours have, this time. We don't have we don't have a worm story, real quick about worm about story. the Vegas wedding. Um, well, I mean that I mean I made money. I didn't lose right. a bet. Did so, you? Are you a uh, casino guy at all? Magic, your sports no. book. Uh, I we did throw craps before dinner. 
And uh, I think I pointed five times. So I made money. I literally did not lose one bet while I was in Vegas. And I mean, I got to I got to give Todd credit because obviously he gives me his NFL stuff and his college stuff. And then um, so, yeah, he was, he was about, hot that weekend. What do they say about raining on your wedding day or what do they say about winning bets undefeated on your wedding day? Yeah, they got to say yeah. something, right? Got to be good luck. Well, that was me. That's got to be good. I want, I want my Kyle Larson outright on my wedding day. Well, I'm not married yet, but you know, maybe one day I'll make sure to schedule uh, my wedding on like the Super Bowl or the Super Bowl weekend Saturday. So, well, no, the Jags are there. I'm canceling my own fucking wedding. So, never mind. I'm actually going to the Super Bowl. I'm going to the Super Bowl in the Phoenix Open because it's here in Phoenix. So. Uh, well, I'm excited for that. Yeah. If the Jags, awesome. if the Jags go to the Super Bowl, I'll be giving you a shout. So, but, yeah, there. let me know. I'll be there. Let's go. All right, boys. Till next week. Cheers. <laughs>